before we take off on my either accurate or inaccurate synopsis oh no of the film like a metaphorical rabbit dog on the prowl through the streets of london we have a guest amongst us it's me hello i'm george but <laughs> by the well that is my real name but my uh, hollywood dream version is gregory schmimbledorf i like it <laughs> thank you yeah <laughs> happy to be here guys no, we're glad yeah, to have you on, man. Uh, fellow horror you. podcaster, do you want to do a quick pre-show plug to make sure everybody knows sure. what you're uh, all about? Uh, so, hi. <laughs> Famously. That's... Thanks, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> Check out um, our merch store. <laughs> uh, so, my podcast is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. Mm-hmm. And basically, the idea is um, I am completely hands-off in the uh, decision-making process about what movie we're going to cover. I leave it entirely up to the guest and whatever movie they pick as the best horror movie ever made, whatever that means to them. I agree. That's also my pick (laughs) for the best horror movie ever made. So, so, I don't mean to cut you off. Good, sir. Sure. But I have, I have to question this. Uh, What would happen if they were to pick something like, I I don't know, uh, like a wet dream on Elm street. I mean, I would probably ask them to defend it to me first. That's <laughs> the best horror movie ever made. Um, what Nick but, is really asking is, can he come on your show? He has a movie he really likes. <laughs> uh, we'll I love how, about it. We can talk about it. I love how we've been friends for so long that you can just read my fucking mind. I have that uh, that feeling of needing to defend movies for myself because mm. I have like an internal conflict of, I love this movie. And then there's another part of me, the gremlin part of me, that's like, yes, but it's it is complete utter garbage. It is fucking shit. <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. I, I have definitely been there. Uh, you know, I exist on Twitter, <laughs> and I like a lot of shitty movies. I I can curse on here, right? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. oh fuck yeah, yeah. fuck yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I watch a lot of shit. You know, I B movies are some of my favorites. And so there are plenty of times where I feel like I have to defend a movie, but um, it's just nice to have a place to sort of get away from that um, because it is so I feel like very prevalent uh, in sort of media criticism right now. Um, and not even criticism, just sort of hearing from the masses on social media and everything. Uh, things are very combative and um it's, it's just ridiculous. nice to get away from that. It, it's yeah. very ridiculous to see, like, oh, this movie. Like, I, I don't think that uh, the stuff that we're getting um, right now. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, though, is that it really is whatever they pick. There are movies that I uh, don't really like very much that have been picked. And, you know, I I fake it for the duration of the show. And we talk about. Um, where the movie sort of exists in cultural context, uh, our guests' history with horror. And then we go through the movie itself, sort of breaking down what we like about it before summing up why it's the best ever hmm. made. So it's a lot of fun. And I it's love a, it, man. It's a cool show. I, I've enjoyed listening to the episodes uh, preparing you. for this. It's a super yeah. cool idea. Yeah, really it's fun. really nice because um, so often everyone is looking for a fight on movies and <laughs> to just have somewhere where you come to it with the tacit agreement of like, yes, we're both going to be positive about this thing and like it. Um, It just, it creates a a really sort of fun environment because you don't have to worry about 
soft selling your enjoyment of of the movie even if it has flaws you're allowed to celebrate them instead of having to feel like you need to defend them um so it's just really nice and i've gotten to find movies that i probably wouldn't have watched um by guests suggesting them to me so uh, it's been a real win-win yeah i love it man that's cool yeah is really that good compared to like b movies of the 80s those are a lot better than what we're getting now so I, I mean, I, I have nothing else to say on that matter. <laughs> I mean, Hey, uh, I think that you might be right. I think that there's an edge of cynicism uh, to a lot of the ones that come out today that I think is a negative. A lot of what made a B movie, a B movie in the eighties um, is the execution, uh, not the concept. It's usually because they have a fun idea and people are trying um, but they just didn't have the budget to to stretch through the set design or the production or whatever. Right. And, you know, it's laughing at that stuff, but still enjoying um, the passion behind it. You know, pe- any movie that gets made is like a friggin' miracle. It's so hard to get <laughs> everyone together to make a movie. Um, and it just is. I agree that it's a shame when you see something like uh, Sharktopus. That's it's so. <laughs> blatant in its attempt to just sort of cash in on that and be the next biggest thing as opposed to feeling like a like a a smaller movie that's uh really going for it and just kind of misses a big swing like a lot of the 80s b movies did right right um speaking of modern horror movies uh what, what did you think about halloween 2018 i liked it i did not love it I, I I think that it's certainly one of the better ones we've gotten in oh, a long time. For sure. But I think that um in terms of how it handles the character of of Lori, I like where they went in H2O more mm. than I like where they went in in Halloween 2018. Um I think that that sort of uh expression of her trauma in this sort of like hyper paranoid in a like fearful way is more cohesive with her character from the first one. Um, and that sort of like turn towards alcoholism uh, that we see in H2O and, and pushing away um, strangers while holding her son really tight. Um, you know, it sort of feels out of character from the Laurie Strode in the first movie that she became this like prepper. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm willing to go along with it i you know it's it's certainly a fun movie i think that um maybe it didn't need to erase all these years of halloween history <laughs> but who am i to say you know I, I had a nice time at the movies so what more can you really ask for <laughs> i'm actually really excited for halloween kills um yeah i'm excited to see how they follow it up for sure yeah, now i think I've... they're in they're in a good spot to really explore now so I'm hopeful that they can uh, succeed, that they can, that they use this to hit the ground running. Fingers are crossed. <laughs> Buttholes clenched. Okay, so I guess I it's do not time. envy you, but it is time for your synopsis of this movie. <laughs> Be prepared. How did that go? <laughs> Dude, I, so when I was rewatching this, I was like, okay, I'm going to write myself like a little cheat sheet yep. <laughs> of, of like what all of the metaphors are. Mm and what they all mean and by the end i had 15 uh 1500 words 
<laughs> it's like this is not a cheat sheet this is just an essay now oh, man. well we're happy to have you aboard because nick and i we both watched this for the first time and we're still oh, like man. digesting it oh, I, wow. I, well nick if i can speak for you i assume that you're in the same boat as i am where it's like this was uh, a new film for us i've been meaning to watch it for a, a long time but, wow do you yeah. have you guys watched much other lynch or was is this sort of your first foray into him I in general this yeah, is my this first is... this is my like my cherry has been wow. popped wow yeah incredible oh i'm so excited to hear what you <laughs> lynch, thought about lynch it. popping yeah. uh, oh boy <laughs> merch store <laughs> all right it's time for my inaccurate or accurate synopsis i'll never tell uh okay <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about and drive where in la there's more than meets the eye a girl with dreams of becoming a movie star crosses paths with a woman who has been struck with the case of the cliches. But not everything is what it seems to be. Oh boy. For this is a David Lynch film, which <laughs> means some of us have no idea what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Side note, store brand Johnny Knoxville gets threatened by a cowboy. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Now that tracks wow. that last part. Uh, pretty to accurate. Justin Thoreau. <laughs> he dated uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston. You're going to call him discount Johnny Knoxville. Oh my he God. Will. He Jennifer, will do it proudly. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston is like a babe and she, yeah. but yeah, off brand Johnny Knoxville. That's the first <laughs> thing that came to mind and I am wow. not apologizing for it. Wow. Rip. I understand though. He does. <laughs> he does have a similar vibe. Press F, press F in the in the comments, people. In the chat, yeah, let's see it. I don't feel comfortable sending our listeners into this film with that synopsis. <laughs> so I have prepared to my best ability my attempt at breaking this movie down into cohesive pieces. And it's, yeah, I was so shocked to have, this is one of those movies, you watch it for the first time. And I'll save some of this for the guts of the film, maybe in our next section, but... It, I had such a struggle with myself about if it was a good movie. And then when I realized, oh, it, it is. And I realized why I was questioning that to begin with. The films just started explaining itself. Mm-hmm. And then and like the hour after I watched it, it all started falling together for me. Yeah. And I know that if I watch it a second and third time, it is going to click in deeper levels. There's so many elusive things in this film that aren't obviously connected until you kind of run through it and um i look forward to maybe synthesizing my views on this film more in the future but as of right now i watched it the night before we were recording and i'm just like (laughs) okay i'm glad you planned for this one george hot off the presses (laughs) yeah (laughs) i look forward to uh seeing what you're bringing to the table here because we are both ready to be enlightened wow Um, well i mean even just based off what you said i think that that's so great because lynch's whole perspective on art is that He creates this thing with a whole bunch of possibilities, Mm. but the reason that he doesn't explain, he never ever explains what anything is about, quote unquote, because he Mm. says that the minute he says what it is or what it means, that's it. It's shrunk down. All those possibilities are gone and you've ripped that away from the audience members who felt one way or another. And he likes his, his work to have more freedom to exist than that. And this way we all get to have different interpretations and think it out and feel like detectives ourselves, you know, the same way that the characters do. I love that. I love that because I have Nick, I've I've said this on our show multiple times. It's so hard for me to hate a movie in the beginning of it. Mm. 
it's hard for me to hate a movie in general. It's hard for me to, to think a movie didn't um, fully live up to what it could in the beginning of a film because it's that possibility. It's that huge scope that it could go in any direction where your head kind of takes over and you're trying to figure out where things are headed. And to me, a great movie is a film that lives up to my expectations of the scope I thought it should end up hitting, The Thing, Alien. These are films that by the time they're done, I'm like, oh, they did it. They, yeah. they took what I thought should happen and made it so much better and <laughs> like schooled me in my own head. And I ended up loving the movie. Right. And this is the type of film, oh, God, we should move to the guts of the film before I, before I, <laughs> Nick, do you have anything else you need to wrap up before I just give away all of my points? <laughs> oh no, he's um, broken. This is what the movie did to me. I'm giving yep. you a visual interpretation <laughs> of what happened to me after I finished the film. From beginning to finish, I'm sitting there trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And then I... Let's get to the guts of the film. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth. Here's my really unfair, obviously reductionist approach to this movie by the end of it. Okay, this is totally not real in any sense, but this is the best I could do to orient myself and try to orient the listeners and it might generate conversation. Sure. Okay. Diane won a dance competition. That's what we saw at the beginning of the film. She right. went to Hollywood with big dreams of being successful, but her lover, Camilla, 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 something like Camilla. that. Camilla outperforms her and gets a role that she wanted. Diana then snaps when she figures out that Camilla and Adam, the director of the film of the role that she wanted, got married or were getting married. Diana tries to have her killed. I don't know if it was successful. Then she becomes so guilty and miserable that she enters like a trance-like state that's kind of prefaced in that scene sweeping up the bed at the beginning of the film. Brilliant choice. And we, she, we end up watching what she thinks could have happened if she came to Hollywood. And then I question life and its meaning and my <laughs> sanity because that's the majority of the movie we watched wasn't that, right? And it's right. once oh, it clicks, it. <laughs> like once it clicks and you kind of are like, could that be, am I insane? Then it's like all of the parts of the movie that I wrote notes on about, I have minor critiques here. It's like, no, it, it doesn't only work, it improves the movie. There are elements of this film that I, for a moment, thought were objectively shitty moments. <laughs> and then when I realized his angle, I was like, that's way more brilliant than I could have even imagined. Yeah. And I just was like, okay, this is the film I'm going to rewatch many times and kind of slowly evolve my own understanding of what it was. But that doesn't mean the process of watching it wasn't painful and tedious until it clicked. <laughs> until that moment, I was like, this is a ride I'm along for. I'm loving it. But how am I going to do an episode on this? Right. No, for <laughs> sure. I think that's really understandable. And um, I think that you're really right on the money. And I wrote down this other quote from Lynch where he said, quote, uh, great cinema tells a story, but goes deep into the psyche. And these undercurrents are caught on deeper levels. And I mm -hmm. think that Mulholland, uh, Mulholland Drive is doing that incredibly well because there's this story that is happening on the surface that we get to follow along with and puzzle out because it is told in this surreal time jumping uh, manner, but it also exists as this like sprawling metaphor mm -hmm. of, and like critique of Hollywood in a, in and of itself and like the casting couch process. Mm -hmm. And, and like, there's just so much 
there to dig into. And so the fact that the first time you watch it, you're so concerned with just figuring out the plot beats that when you go back to rewatch it and you're less concerned with just piecing it together, that's when you start to get these, these real deep undercurrents that he's Mm -hmm. talking about that you feel the vibe of them the whole way through, you know, you, you sort of get the implication that, Oh, maybe she slept with the director and that's how she got the role. And, and and all of this stuff about how um, there's this seedy underbelly of Hollywood that isn't what we see, you know, it exists in this story, but also the story itself is a criticism of this thing that it's portraying. Um, And, Basically, every single thing exists on more than one level in a way that is also represented in the movie. You know, there the way that Betty equals Diane, um, (laughs) so too does the character of Diane have a greater representation of people with Hollywood dreams. And, you know, there it's just there's so many character levels to each thing that it just really blows me away and does really invite you back to watch over and over and over right i mean even as you're talking the this you know hardly working part of my brain is like kind of like oh wait could that have been that could this have been that like i'm kind (laughs) of tying little knots together as you're you're speaking i don't doubt watching this film a second time would be a monumental Uh thing where it all just kind of falls into scope and i i kind of get it and for me the key kind of like this perfect little point of elaboration for the whole film was figuring out that it isn't a weird story about like the mob or like some <laughs> group of people trying to kill somebody and she's running away and she forgot everything. It's like, no, it's, you realize by the end of it or maybe hours after the end of it um, that the film is so much more intrusive and, and psychoanalytical than that. Like yeah. th- th- there's an element of it that's like, you think you're watching something that's fake once you think you kind of get the angle of the film's on. It's like, oh, I just watched a lot of fake stuff and then I saw the real thing and I, now, I, now I get the movie. And that isn't it. When you watch the fake stuff, you are getting actual truths about the film. You just don't know. You just don't know it. Until right. you're like, hold on, I'm figuring out this story. Right. I'm figuring out new elements of it by watching this but like purely in subtext. Like how does a film or, or a filmmaker or a writer, Lynch wrote it too, find out how to speak truth just in subtext without telling you it's like what great authors do like you're getting this information out of them but they're not really explicitly saying it and it's such a masterful thing to do that for an hour and a half and then to like like transition into this entirely new film after that right it's a shocking (laughs) thing i I ended up really loving it so Um, i have to yeah i i have to like cut in here uh me personally I don't necessarily like films that make make you think on a, um, I guess, structural level. I, mm-hmm. I'm what people would call a uh, Neanderthal of horror, and because <laughs> um, I, I traditionalist, I like, we say <laughs> I like I like old school '70s '80s slasher films. You know, me 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 see naked lady naked lady gets stabbed me get happy um (laughs) but when i was watching this movie for the first time i'm sitting there trying to figure out what's going on trying to put 
pieces together, trying to figure out the characters, their motivations, um, what what what's the entire goal here, and uh, surprisingly, I I ended up really liking this film. Not not just like yeah. <laughs> like I love this undertone of horror. It's not a full-on horror movie, but there's undertones of horror. There's undertones of comedy, uh, yeah. drama, and um, like a mystery to to unravel. Mm-hmm. Like a fucking sick, twisted, demented birthday present. Uh, <laughs> and I, I I was sitting there towards the beginning of the movie i i saw that all these weird things were happening and i uh i i questioned myself as to what so what's really going on i i thought that uh oh this this might be a social commentary on the, the higher ups, the, the high class Hollywood um, corporate scum of the world sure. controlling everything. I thought that that would be a good idea for a horror movie. And it kind of just does like a 180, then it does a 180 again. And <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And normally I, I don't like films like that, but for some reason this caught my attention and made me feel made me feel something and uh i guess i guess we can say that neanderthal nick is is growing me me like david lynch (laughs) me me think that me not so dumb after all (laughs) you're not dumb nick but i had to i had to like after the movie, I, I I just couldn't put it together. Um, I I did see like the cowboy when when um, <laughs> Diane and everything was coming together. I they were at the uh, the dining room. Yeah, he's and in I the back. Yeah, I saw him in the background. I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> but I'm trying to put these pieces together of who Diane is. Oh man! Like, is she a schizophrenic? Is I, what, I like don't want to take it away. I, I uh-huh. <laughs> but it's it's like um, I look. I shouldn't have looked it up on YouTube, but <laughs> what what Brian was saying about how like the, the the first half isn't real, and then like she hires a hitman and and all this. Uh, it's 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 a fun ride, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, it and really it's, it's it like great. you you do have that feeling of of like I'm inclined to say the first half wasn't real, but you realize what you thought was an inauthentic experience that you were watching a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. You realize that it's really telling, like yeah. you're, you're really being delivered important information. And Nick, the fact that you watched this movie felt like a Neanderthal, which is not true, but you you felt like it at the end of the film, but you still got this feeling that it might be about Hollywood elite. <laughs> fucking subtext man it's so, that's incredible uh, it's like you so were well watching done. this and you're just like you kind of like you did get an essential part of it yeah and i think that um what's great about this movie is that and the reason that maybe uh you know correct me if i'm wrong the reason that 
sometimes I'm not into these movies that are so interested in delivering a metaphor or whatever is because they get lost in the execution. It becomes more about the message right. and it becomes about making a good movie. And I think that with this movie, David Lynch is still able to deliver an incredible, incredible movie on the screen in addition to in the pages of the script you know it's not Mm -hmm. it's not just about the message it is a great movie as well to watch there are exciting scary moments you know there are uh, great moments of drama and romance and and it's sexy and there's so there's so much great stuff in it naomi watts is putting Uh in an incredible performance not once but twice over Uh (laughs) uh-huh i i I felt so Un, like uh, cruel because at the beginning of the film I was like I don't I'm not buying this and then <laughs> by the end of it I'm like this was intentional she's incredible like, how did you do that yeah there were moments at the so beginning impressed. where I'm like it's that sort was of like objectively sort of like a superficial uh, line delivery and then you realize that she's holding back and you see when she doesn't yeah and it's this little epiphany right <laughs> wouldn't that be something yeah. like <laughs> when, when she just gets off the plane and uh, right. uh it's so great Oh. Yeah, the the whole line del- delivery kind of gives a feel of B movie territory. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I kind of like this. <laughs> it's it's kind of like old school Resident Evil, where it's like, oh, what's this? <laughs> it, oh, it's blood. <laughs> I hope it's not Chris's blood. Oh, you were almost turned into a Jill sandwich. Right. So right, what an um, exposition kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I, I so I have some oh I. Why the, why well, the really, fuck? really quick before you move on, if I could really quickly um, throw this in. While we're talking about that first part, that scene, that line delivery that did almost feel like dubbed over to be peppier. And it felt yeah. so art- <laughs> like like artificial and just kind of pushed in there. It reminded me of 100% of the movie um, Killing of a Sacred Deer, yeah, where they were very consciously being absurd. Like they'd just be at the dinner table and this kid they just met was like, I don't have much body hair. And the dad's like, I do. And he says, could you show me? And he just stands up and takes his clothes off and is like, right. you see, I'm growing here and here and here. And it's like, there's this, there's this acceptance of how absurd the film is and a self-awareness that's really yeah. jarring. And I feel there are elements of Killing of a Sacred Deer that I thought, like you were saying before, were too focused on delivering. Wouldn't it be cool if we made a movie like this? Yeah. And the execution felt a bit off for me. But this film does that to such a perfect extent that it didn't feel like somebody was trying too hard Mm -hmm. it felt like someone was just taking me for a ride and i didn't even know it like it was that level of mastery it was like i didn't i i doubted you no more (laughs) i I, no longer (laughs) right see and i i think that that moment in particular really sort of encapsulates a lot of the movie in that once you understand that that is sort of a phony on purpose performance you understand Mm. that oh this whole thing is sort of representative of how everything is filtered through our collective understanding of Hollywood, because, you know, I haven't ever been to Hollywood. And so all my entire understanding of the glitz and the glam and celebrities and everything is through media portrayals of that. It's like a propaganda arm. And so this portrayal of Hollywood as this beautiful, wonderful thing, um, ignores the reality of the the of the fact that there is this underbelly it's a city like any other there are people who live in poverty there is this uh not so secret secret of the uh abuses and everything that go on in hollywood and there is sort of this movie magic Mm -hmm. 
that the movie that this movie is exploring and its role in sort of covering things up. And, you know, this industry is perhaps even worse than many others because it does sort of beget so much abuse and anger and regret as we see in the character of Diane. But it's just when you compare the moment of her stepping off the plane to the where Diane ends up at the end of the movie, like they just stand in such stark contrast that you can't help but start to draw these parallels. And I think that that moment is really what sort of seals the deal in terms of being able to start piecing things together. Man, I, I'm still like, my brain is still like, wait, is that what the, what the homeless guy was? And like, I'm still doing all these little things when I'm hearing you talk about this. Yeah. Wink, you're right on though, because Winky's the restaurant, it like that represents Hollywood. And he, like the guy comes in and he talks about how, he had this dream of Hollywood and right. you know, there's this guy in the back and he goes and, and he sees this happen and, and it shocks him out of it. it. It's everything sort of hinges from that realization of the, the sort of faux nature of uh, the delivery and what it represents. Hmm. And uh, I, I just think that it's so important. And, and for Naomi Watts to, I think really understand that and help yeah. David Lynch sort of, get this movie off the ground i think it really lives and dies on her shoulders uh and and she knocks it out of the park i would also like to uh say rest in peace to the winkies building it is no longer no. there no. yeah the they they tore it down including the wall that the the monster comes shame uh, yeah such a shame but um I have to say, this is a very, very, very silly comment, but as I was watching this, um, the scene that was unfolding upon my eyes, <laughs> the the scene where uh, Diane is auditioning for a role with that older gentleman, I... <sighs> I don't know why my brain goes to this, but I asked myself, what, what if this turned into a hardcore porn all of a sudden? Just like <laughs> it, it goes from like being very serious to just, oh, yeah. Can I, well, oh, let me, <laughs> I, I am going to say, I know you're having a Nick moment, but I'm going to tell you why that's a verifiable, like that's a good thing. I feel like there's so much to say about the fact that you walked into that scene and you felt that energy. That felt like such an important moment for her character. Yeah, with the where way we that... realized that she isn't going to be like this person who's going to be victimized in this mm-hmm. sequence. She is going to be playing into it and like leverage that nasty part of the business to get her way. It was such a self-confident, like masterful thing to do. And it's cool to me that you were watching that and you're like, wouldn't it be crazy if they it's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Like she's using that sexuality, that charge in the room especially compared to when she's practicing the lines um yes with uh oh that's cool you're right Camilla. and and the i mean the, the the whole tone of the scene is completely different in that right. she's much more angry in the practice run than she is seductive in the actual audition and that's god how adam and camilla in the car like she's exactly. almost like 
God, man, there are so many levels to this thing. It's freaking great. <laughs> I feel like your brain is just going to explode, Brian. Just all over. People who, who subscribe to our Patreon, who, who are getting the full footage experience, <laughs> you will see this soon. Mm. Um, but people who are listening to our audio version, you're just going to hear the, the squelching and, and the brain bits flying everywhere. Yeah. Just orgasm. I, I will say. Brain I, orgasm. Yes. Go ahead. I spent like nine hours working <laughs> on a time sensitive project for a client of mine. And then right at the end of it, I was like feeling good. And I was like, God, I got it. I got it done. And I went and put this movie on and I was <laughs> humbled to my fucking core. <laughs> and I was like, God, this is incredible. Like I, part of me loved it, but then part of me was like, I deserve this. <laughs> I need to be on my own show and not understand a movie we watched. <laughs> I would also like to point out when uh, when Diane and Camilla walk in on dead Diane, her rotting corpse, mm-hmm. uh, kind of reminds me of, oh, I don't know, my fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend. You're trying to make this happen, man. I, I gotta, I have to do some pushback. I love the bit, but nope. you want that heroin addicted girlfriend merch. I don't think it'll pass. <laughs> I don't know. What, what, what do you think, George? You think, you think oh, that people would like think... wear t-shirts that say my fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend? Mm. I think that as someone who has a lot of podcast shirts, I think that someone would buy <laughs> it and be like, this is hilarious. I'll buy it and wear it forever. And then they're like, I'm not wearing this outside. <laughs> but it it goes on their wall as a secret thing. It's like, I love this thing that I'm humiliated to tell my friends about. That's how I love things too. Where it's like, there's a movie I like, a podcast I like. I'm like, this is fucking great. But I, I don't think I can tell people this. <laughs> yeah, this is just just for me. Yeah. Mom, mom, Nick, look at this shirt you I, and got. I need, Yeah, Nick, <laughs> you and I need to live in that world where at this point, our inside jokes are so particular <laughs> they can't be publicly accessible <laughs> but that can strengthen the group exactly yeah, that's, that's the end joke there we go <laughs> you don't have to get it people just have to accept it that's all that matters yeah, wouldn't, they'd have to trudge through like 50 archived episodes of our of our previous podcast from the black lagoon to pick <laughs> up on half the things we're talking about and i don't know there might be an opportunity cost there between spending 50 hours listening to us before we were kind of together. I mean, and then... if you if you want to figure out where heroin addicted or fantasy heroin addicted girlfriend uh, comes from, check out our Splinters episode. Yeah, that's yeah, recent you enough. You got to put in the work. Getting, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you want, if you want those sweet, sweet inside jokes, you got to put in the work. There it is. You got to trudge through the shit before you get to the gold. <laughs> <laughs> our, our be- I will say. I am oh waiting God. for the day. I am counting down the day when we do our um, 28 hours later mashup, which was a wonderful inside joke that came from. You mean 127 oh, hours later? Thank you. 127 hours later. That's really good. If the joke doesn't tell itself, it will. And it when does. you see it on a shirt, it. it is going to be, <laughs> it's going to be so good. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited that, for that, for that to be a thing. And mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to spoil the, the other thing that I had in mind. That'll oh, stay a secret. All right. Well, uh, to all three of you listening, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for that. One and one. a half. Nick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we did have a bit of a hiccup earlier. That's right. Um, so, Nick, do you have anything else to, to bring up here? 
I'm kind of like at my. I feel uh, like I'm still. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So when Diane and uh, Camilla were, you know, getting it on, I'm sitting there. I'm like, oh yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, she drops. Diane drops the. I love you, like I'm in love with you, bomb. I'm like, oh, this is that's the Hollywood ideal version, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that now that I think about it, yeah, that's the Hollywood ideal version. But when I was yeah. watching it at the time, I'm like, you don't, you just <laughs> don't drop the I love you bomb. I've been there. I know how that works. <laughs> it ends in a fucking cataclysmic. <laughs> catastrophe <laughs> and just fucking destroys everything that you worked up for so yeah i i mean it was kind of awkward to hear her say that i'm like oh no you you stupid <laughs> son of a bitch why would you why would you say that and then i kind of i realized that this is what she this is what she wants this was her ideal life you know to become this hollywood actress and to to have a love of her own to the, the one that she fantasizes about the one that she longs for but she can't have mm. and for it to just basically run towards her untimely demise yeah via suicide it's like holy shit yeah think about this the camilla's a bitch fuck camilla <laughs> everybody fuck camilla fuck that's, not, that's another shirt right there fuck camilla <laughs> there's there's also a ton of projection going on too because i mean she comes there and she meets camilla right as she start, started getting into this hollywood dream of hers mm -hmm. and so for her i think camilla is very representative of sort of hollywood in general and uh, and she's projecting sort of her love for her new life and everything directly onto her and uh, i think that's sort of where in this idealized version that's that's why they're so in love so quick so um yeah it's just man it's there's great it's great there's so need, much going on in every little corner of this movie <laughs> i need to ask once the car accident happens towards the beginning camilla camilla get like walks away she runs in high heels and then she, she lays down behind some dumpsters and then she goes somewhere else and then she lays down again and then she goes somewhere else and then she finally lays down once again. What? Why? She well, was just in a car accident. She was bad enough to give her, her amnesia. <laughs> walking through Hollywood looking yeah. for a place. Yeah. Isn't there something potent about that? Like <sighs> she, her, her life her old life collided in fire okay, and yeah. death and everyone was gone and dead in her from her previous life she got out of the car untouched <laughs> standing over LA like a fucking mm. god and then starts wandering around all these streets yeah. like, I don't know anything about LA but I'm sure they were big streets no one lynch and hiding in the bushes looking for like oh is that my inn can I go in there oh somebody just walked out of that door and they're leaving I'm taking their place yep. there's such a cutthroat element to it yep. but then also fear and paranoia yep. and it's just like I didn't even know I was going to say this until I said it. It's just coming out now because the this film how it works, puts man. itself together, right? Think about how, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier. Um, even the brightest, happiest moments of this film are brutally miserable. When you think about like even this newfound love and all these elements, it's like this is a desperate woman who is dreaming up a life 
that could have been in the event that the person she tried to kill is still alive, but just is now an amnesiac, forgot everything that happened and is ready to have a second chance at love with her again when yeah. she's the star and the other girl is necessary. Like she's clinging on to her for support, clinging on to her for um, shelter. Yeah. That's like the best moments of the film. You're like, oh, this is even deeper and darker than I ever thought. What a great thing, man. That's yeah. incredible. What's the deep meaning behind the elderly couple who are tiny as fuck crawling out from underneath <laughs> the door? Because I'm still scratching my head at that scene. Like, so they they were like mocking her, reminding her of how simply and innocently it all started because they're the two who dropped her off mm-hmm. um, when she won the jitterbug contest. And like when she talks about how that led into her acting, like it's those those two old people are are sort of her past chasing her and making her feel this guilt um, until oh. she can't handle it anymore. She goes into yeah. the cabinet or the nightstand and pow. That's great, man, because in in the scene when they're like, they, they seem so malicious in the dream sequence in the car. And yeah. there's an element of like, like, like a hey, rictus welcome. smile. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, welcome to LA. Look at this. You're all set up. Go be a star. We're rooting yeah. for you. Very then in the car, they're driving away. Like she has no idea what we just got her into. And there's this like, it's like uh, in, in her, in her dream, she's reimagining what their intent was. Like, how dare you send me into this world of hope that was just ready to fail. Like it was yep. burning from the moment I stepped in. That's great. Yeah, I, I don't know why they were tiny, but that was pretty cool too. Because <laughs> <laughs> it started off as just this little small, small doubt. Ooh, and nice. they grew and grew and grew. Yeah. And chased her down until finally she couldn't ignore it anymore. I, I love some of these co- comedic undertones of off-brand Johnny Knoxville catching his <laughs> dream wife cheating on him. And then he takes he takes her jewelry and featuring paint- Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> 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 that mullet though man that so mullet uh and that ain't no uh, way to treat your wife mister no matter what she's done don't break her heart breaky breaky <laughs> exactly. heart uh and then that uh that person that was looking for him uh enters the house and then she she attacks him like a fucking spider monkey and then he gives her a nice nice helping handful of equality and just <laughs> decks her right in the face. Yeah, I nice. yeah, that, I I wasn't expecting that, but there you go. Knocks them both out, one punch each. How great is like God? I'm just this is all kind of falling together. That these these diffusive weird figures that are like marching around are like physical embodiments of how uh, of that probably far less physical sense of power yeah. that the elite have to just kind of like pick and choose who goes where. I love the idea that even their like goons or these unstoppable things they just wander right into your hollywood home untouched by this gigantic man who's trying to attack you and like yeah that's cool man he's just in there he's like the leveler he's coming in he's like no this is how things work here and i'm not going to start just marching around la until everything is leveled and on ground and we get to keep what we have whatever that is it's so so cool good so fucking good (laughs) yes i feel such a sense of success (laughs) (laughs) I, I want to say this is the bold choice for you, man. <laughs> to just be like, yes. I don't, I don't know this show. I'm coming on and I'm going to say Mulholland Drive. Watch yeah. it. Watch uh, it see, and then face me for an hour and talk to me <laughs> and see how you feel. Uh, see, here's the thing is I love David Lynch. I don't know if you could tell that, but <laughs> I, I love David Lynch. And he, I, this is not my favorite David Lynch movie, 
but I think it is his best because I okay. think that it exists sort of in the middle part of the Venn diagram of weird David Lynch stuff that I like and accessible in right. a way that people are able to sort of get these feelings and really feel like they can invest into the world. Um, you know, stuff like Inland Empire does a lot of weird stuff, but it is, it's hard even for me to get into and be like, all right, this is just a little much, David. Um, and, <laughs> oh, you know, I. What would you say is your favorite uh, David Lynch film of all time? Like hands uh, down. Wild at Heart. Wild, Wild at Heart. Heart. Yeah, uh, Nick Cage is incredible in it. Laura Dern is incredible in it. Uh, Willem Dafoe is in it. Diane Ladd. Ooh. It's just really an incredible, incredible movie. Um, and, you know, I think Nick Cage really fits perfectly into sort of like the weirdness of mm. David Lynch. And it's, uh, I mean, it's Nick Cage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Laura Dern. I mean, Laura, if you hear this, marry me, please. <laughs> yeah, she's actually you, one of our Patreons. So. Yeah, oh, wow. yeah, 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 you no, heard it. It's done. You got Come it. Come on. <laughs> We'll get it done one way or yep. another. Great. Sounds good. <laughs> oh, man. I don't think my brain can handle this. Uh, Nick, do you have any big points? George, do you have anything you like really want to like talk about about this film? Either you know what? You? you know what? I feel like we should give George the floor yeah, to like just oh, man. unload. Unload on the audience. Go for it, man. Uh, okay. Uh See, this is the thing is like, I, I'm unsure of how much I really want to reveal of my own personal thoughts on it, uh, like in terms of the meaning, just because it's been so rewarding to see you guys sort of come to your own. I will say stuff. before you, if you plan on saying anything further mm -hmm. divulging upon this movie, I, I guess I say spoiler alert for our audience. Is that sure? I mean, it feels like we're well past that. I think. I think we spoiler yeah, we, alert you know what? damage control we may be going down but we'll throw it in there <laughs> um okay I so here's one thing that I want to talk about that I, I want to hear what you guys think um the hotel or not the club silencio scene that I could not for the life of me like get anywhere near understanding that and isn't the last shot that woman up there in the in the seats watching over mm -hmm. the yeah that was the one thing where it felt like it was so far removed. There are plenty of things that felt far removed from the movie, but that was too much of an extent for me on my first viewing to even have an opinion on. Sure. I don't. It was mesmerizing, and one of the honestly one of the more rewarding moments in the movie was getting there and never questioning how I got there, but not knowing what it meant. Mm -hmm. Like there was an element of he's not just throwing dreamy things at us and say, oh, "Aren't you confused? I'm good at this." Yeah. It's like a careful orchestration of bending and stretching reality, and then you're just there, and it's like. Yeah, I stepped right into this, and I. Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> it does feel natural. It feels yeah. like a natural progression. I, I have nothing, Nick. Did you have any inkling about that moment? Not. It a... was a cool moment. <laughs> I, I, I don't just, know. I sat there. And I was like, okay, we're getting um, we're getting some musical pieces here and a little bit of illusions. <laughs> yeah. I'm down for it. So, I'll I'll sort of talk uh, at. A, a little bit of a larger scale, just so I, I, I don't want to walk you exactly down the road, but I'll, sure. I'll just sort of give a little bit in that. Um, I think that when you look at sort of how it's revealing the, the magic of the stage and how you see that 
everything is recorded and no matter how incredible oh, it looks God. like this woman is performing that really it is just movie magic uh this the, this recording and everything um you can sort of see that when betty in quotes because she's still betty in this moment um she, she like has like a little bit of a seizure there yeah what on earth was that? <laughs> and I think to me that sort of looks like maybe she is starting to see behind right. the curtain a little bit of the Hollywood dream. Right. And this is sort of her understanding that it is, it's not the way it looks in the movies that there is sort of this facade that is presented to people, hmm. but behind it is something that maybe you don't want to explore. Right. And I think in that moment, that is when we start to see the dream unravel. And that's when she stops becoming, and that's when she stops being Betty. Yeah, okay. And in, in the of, timeline, you're right. In the timeline, that figuring out where that fits, I think that definitely, that's cool. I, I forgot about the tape recorder bit too. Wasn't he saying everything? This is a recording. Right. No, no high bando. Yeah. Man. And when she, when that lady fell over, presumably dead, didn't she keep like the singing kept going? Right, because it was all it was all a recording. Damn. Um, also, this is something that you wouldn't get without having explored a lot of Lynch's other work. But he loves using blue to like represent secrecy and stuff. Mm. And so that's also the moment when they find the blue box that the oh, key okay. goes to and it was a different key wasn't it weren't there two different blue keys right there so there's the real key <laughs> and then there's the fantastical looking one that's like uh, kind of like a triangle and that is the one in the dream it's like even the key exists on two separate levels that's great um yeah. and th there's such a i feel like you could watch this movie and like there's such like an occult element of just like hiding and like for the life of you guarding knowledge yeah. Not because it shouldn't be dispersed, but because you're powerful if you're the one who's locking the door. Yeah. There's such an element of like, I can throw you breadcrumbs and that is like the power that's driving you through this whole movie. And these breadcrumbs are disguised as something entirely else. And then at the end of it, you realize you collected all this. Right. Like, I got a whole a bread cool, here. Yeah. <laughs> got a whole loaf and it's actually a cake. It's like <laughs> by the end of it, you're just doing this 360. Man, that, that's cool. I... I, I'm my mind is ready to run through this film again and oh yeah just let everything kind of fall in place listen I'll, I'll say that I think that if you do feel like you got a lot out of this not just you guys but also people out there in the world um definitely I recommend checking out some of his other work you right. know they, it sort of spans the the uh, the range between stuff that is pretty straightforward in terms of like the elephant man which is just the story of this guy who was disfigured in the 30s and uh, you know his his sort of fighting for respect in society um all the way to some of his like shorts and inland empire and stuff but hmm. within that range there really is i think something for everyone um I think that this is a is a great place for people to start if uh, if they want to check out Lost Highway. That's another one that sort of skews more directly horror. Uh, Twin Peaks is my background Ooh, right now, so yeah. you can check out Twin Peaks. I mean, there's just so much great work of his, and he's so he's so intent on his own artistic expressions and having sort of final say that um, even when 
you don't necessarily love it you i feel like you at least respect it because it is very much a david lynch production and and it it, ne- it never feels like it's a corporately made piece of whatever made meant to make money it's it's always something that he is trying to communicate and i think that that makes his work really special so i, I think that people should definitely check it out man i love that that's a good place to close up this section too i do want to say like um watching this film and you're talking about art it felt like if there's an artist named Rene Magritte, he's like a surrealist. I love it. Dude, if he made a movie, this is it. Yeah. There's such Hell a yeah. deep, like, Jungian Ceci sense. n'est pas un film. Dude, yeah. It's, I was just thinking about, like, um, there is an element of looking at something inauthentic and realizing that that is actually describing the most authentic thing about the painting. Sure, it's exactly. It's just a beautiful little movement. And to, to pull that off in, metaphorically, three dimensions on film over time, like, what a yeah. feat. That's just, I, I totally respect it. And I enjoyed the movie in the meantime. And those are two <laughs> things that don't always go together. There are plenty of films and things of art that I'm like, ah, I'm into it. That's really cool, but I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> but this was like, man, it was actually a good time. Right. Working through it too. And that's such a new level. I think that's really cool. Awesome. Um, Nick, do you have any closing remarks for this section? Or are you ready to eulogize this film? I you guys covered basically everything all i have to say is i this movie over exceeded my expectations uh for sure i actually i really enjoyed it i i didn't think i was gonna enjoy it until i gave it a shot so there you go uh yeah so i guess it's time to section on over to the eulogy eulogy Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. May God be with this young man's soul. May be rotten and rest in peace. 2001's Mulholland Drive. What a fucking roller coaster, am I right? Like, Jesus Christ. Uh, David Lynch. What, whatever you whatever you did there you, you it was a it, it was fucking amazing uh i i don't even know where to where to go with this eulogy i'm well, that makes it representative of this entire episode i think <laughs> i think that's the most authentic way to do it it's just like what <laughs> I, I you just look at it and it was already dead yeah i <laughs> oh i like that i uh yeah it's time to bury it so here and here's the question what am i gonna bury how with how with are we gonna bury thing, it we we could burn the thing right we could shoot alien into space after toasting it in the thruster right we <laughs> like we cut uh terrifier in half with Ooh. david howard thornton because it just made sense this i propose nick i am open to your opinion too i propose that we let a system of diffusive foucaultian power make the movie off itself by systematically crushing its dreams until it can do nothing but lay in bed and wonder what life could have been like if it made it. What do you think? This is the movie. <laughs> this is the movie. Yeah? Oh, we are in the movie. This is the movie. Oh my this God. Oh. <laughs> this is can the we movie. Let, can we let the, the nondescript just being of Hollywood eat itself alive? And rather than actionably shoot this film, burn it? This is getting... It too let fucking it, deep just let I don't, it just 
consume itself because of the environment that it has introduced itself to on the idea that it <sighs> let me just say <laughs> let me let me just say brian you're going balls deep and i love it and not yeah. in a homosexual way I not, to, not to say that there's anything <laughs> not to say that there's anything wrong with that but just just a probably lovely way yeah so i guess yeah let's <laughs> let's do it let's uh repeat what i said nick what how are we doing it (laughs) do it i dare you i don't even understand it things we're gonna things yes uh i was kind of thinking like oh we um we make it jealous and make it kill itself that was my first draft (laughs) (laughs) well whatever the fuck we're doing i don't know i'm just i'm just here for the ride (laughs) is it doing or is it what what passively will be done to it. Wow. That's why we're going to fuck. Let's just do it. All right. I'm burying <laughs> I'm... it with the blue box. What does that even mean? The blue box in the film. I don't want to see it again. Put it in, <laughs> put it in the fucking hole and get rid it, of it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a deep meaning of sexual disease. It's, it's the blue why? box. The, really the, the blue box. It. The blue box is a blue waffle. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. Lynch was ahead of the game. That's what it is. It was ahead of his time too. Uh, I um, hmm. I'm going to bury it with a cheating whore who likes to Jeez. fuck her way to the top. Yikes! And how about the shitty guys in the movie? <laughs> Plenty of them. Uh, hmm. There's so many of them. A cowboy's hat. Yeah. <laughs> I fair. More than fair. Um, great. <laughs> George, is there one element or idea or anything from this movie that stands out that you would bury it with, understanding that that doesn't make sense? Um, I guess I would bury it with um one tiny blue key. Yes, very fair. Which is also a a penis that is also infected yes why because because every box needs a key brian nick if you were if this were the 60s and we were like in the height of that like like you'd uh, be canceled uh, sexual liberation no man i'm telling you if we were in that that place where everybody was a genius if they had a dream and we're in like that that psycho like that freudian thing you would have been a millionaire (laughs) Your your just creativity that you're just like every show, your the pure thought content of Nick is just I like you know. would have made so much money. You would have had like psycho and analysts like lining up out of your door, giving you rewards. And I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why my brain is wired the way that it is, but for some reason, my brain always goes to something sexual. It's like I'm a fucking first grader, just like ha ha. <laughs> yeah farts i love it just toilet humor out the ass literally just literally yeah diarrhea just sexual things it's 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 funny to me it's like sex is funny to me it's just like i I can't tell you how many times i've been like huh i'm inside somebody right now how weird is that (laughs) i don't even have to stab him with a knife i just i'm (laughs) literally I thought we were talking about conceptual, like the, uh, all right, this is oh. great, Nick, I need you, this show, the energy you bring you need to me? it, I you can't even me. explain it. 
without me the show would be no that's going too far that's like so egotistical of me to say like you need me for the show like the show would be nothing without me i think that you could do perfectly fine without me a show and this i show quit. is driven on banter oh oh boy uh oh nick come back oh he's gone no naomi watts yeah. is now the co-host wow oh. you could do worse yeah, yeah not bad <laughs> we we need we are counterbalances to one another we're we're both set on this little fulcrum and if if i drop too low you bring me back and if you drop too low i bring you back that's how it works i feel like you're the dr loomis to my michael myers you don't know what evil is (laughs) (laughs) i shot him six times even though i kind of shot him seven get away from that tommy (laughs) hey lonnie Get your ass oh, away. that's it, Lonnie. Yeah, <laughs> get your ass away from there. Oh, Donnie P. You keep it going. This you don't know what encyclopedia. You, I promise you. <laughs> you don't know what death is. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I love Donald Pleasance. Shout I out do to too. Him. Shout out. <laughs> Press stuffs in the chat for him, even though that's like Rip. a long time ago. But still, love him. Love him. Just, I can't imagine Nick. Halloween without a Donald Pleasance. Definitely not. And that, that, that goes to say, um, like, in 2018, when they did that, like, evil Loomis, uh, mm-hmm. like, twist side plot to, to get Lori's granddaughter to the house. And how, yeah. yeah, I thought that that whole thing didn't need to be in there. Like, I think even though right. it, it was just there. With no payoff, the, I guess the payoff would be like the, the head stomp, which I really love. And some people see it as like <laughs> over the top. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. Yeah. His head exploded like a watermelon. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I just, Donald Pleasance, man. Just shot, Big ups. Me, shot me six times in the heart. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's really fun. It's voices before I get voices. Uh, it's kind of funny how Michael Myers got shot six times and he didn't even rap about it. Wow, rookie mistake, honestly. You know, he should have. Hmm. I every time a joke is made on this show, I now just imagine in my head that David Howard Thornton is somewhere making a better joke because he just fucking mopped the floor with us for an hour when we were doing <laughs> our show. Everything we said, he found like a, a, a million, like. A million better ways. To I do tried. It. I like, he's Man, a pro. I, he's a pro. A pro. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I tried to like. It, it was like we're both getting beat up, and I'm the one that's like trying to defend us from this mother, <laughs> this clown that's beating the shit out of us. And I'm like, no, you can't. You can't take us alive. And uh, I was just like, we're just, just we're falling feeble, to Stockholm syndrome, just enjoying it. <laughs> a feeble attempt at defending the both of us. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite hours ever. I, I definitely enjoyed that, that episode for sure. And I enjoyed Speaking this episode too. Uh, yeah, definitely, oh, man. Oh, God. I think Brian, I'm, I'm oh, hearing no. stuff. Do you hear that? I don't. It's just you. But let's go. <laughs> I, I think I'm getting voices. Could it be my schizophrenia? <laughs> I don't know. Voices. Well, sometimes. That is better. Okay. 
So beautiful. Let me just pull pull up the ye old dandy phone because that's apparently where I'm getting my voices from. God damn it. Sorry. Okay. This one is from Bruntmeister 2K. He published this in January 30th, 26, or 20, well, 2006, not 2016. Jesus Christ. That's so far away. Uh, he gave it a one star and it's titled Disappointing. It seemed to me that the direct, actually, should I do a voice? Should, should I do Mike Tyson? Should I do a snobby? Always Mike Tyson. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> why. Third Mike Tyson. You could. Uh, it's too bad you don't know. David Lynch has a very distinctive voice. It's too bad. Oh, you I can't saw an do. interview with the guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw like an interview or two oh, with yeah? him, but I can't. I don't remember his voice off the top. I thought the director was very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It seemed to me that the director or writer, whoever is just trying to be clever, all they want is for everybody to watch and not have a clue. Then what? We're supposed to applaud his genius when we find out what was going on? I bet Mr. Lynch is one of them people that always thinks they're better and smarter and know more than you. And most of the people that like this film will be like that as well because they think they are so smart for understanding it. I've seen it and read theories and I think it's all a load of rubbish. It's... It's never clear at any point in the film what is go actually going on. And that, to me, is not a good film. How could it be a good film if you have to make up half the story yourself to figure out what's going on? And how is it the top 250, I can only assume these are those arrogant people that think they are so brilliant and that because they got the film, then it is brilliant. Well, in fact, Mr. Lynch could just as well take any random series of events and call it a film i jesus christ what the fuck <laughs> like they didn't I, like I, it i feel like that was past me like when i was i don't know like 17 somewhere around that age where if i were to see this film i would have been like oh this is like one of those you know just very self-absorbed egotistical assholes that decided to make a film and it's very uh what's the word it starts with a pretentious pretentious thank you god i don't know why i was stumping on that word but whatever yeah very pretentious but now that i think about it films overall are a work of art and art in itself is subjective it is for the audience members to depict what is going on and what is what what means what to them and i kind of agree with david lynch not just spilling the beans because yeah it would ruin the fucking immersion it would ruin everything about the movie and for this person to just hammer in the fact that he just didn't get it and for I feel like he's frustrated at the fact that everybody else got it and he didn't. Mm -hmm. So I feel sad for this person, for past Nick, for Neanderthal <laughs> Nick, who 
who only likes 80 slasher films and I am applauding the, the people that actually enjoy this film for what it is to understand that this is a work of art and you got to put a little, just a little bit of work to understand what's going on. So. Yeah, def definitely. And, and how, how non-ego related understanding a movie is. It's kind of like right. not being allowed to like 2001 because it's too heady. I will watch that movie to the end of the earth. You know, I just, it doesn't matter how much sense it makes. It's an incredible ride. And the more you watch it, you just get stuff out of it, man. Mm -hmm. I love it. You know, and it's just, it, it gives you an emotional a... response, whether you understand it mentally, uh, regardless. And right. I think that this person is not, it doesn't seem like they're willing to engage with it on that level. Hmm. Yeah, I also, think that's fair. I, another point is um, actually completely beyond the point. It's kind of hard well, for me well, now. Quick, to... then. Well, we are in the point then. I just want to really quickly say, watching these films and things is very personal. And it, it, I think it needs to end there. Like there, there's a point where what you identify with is you. And people, that makes people so ad, uh, aggressive. Like if you don't mm -hmm. like a movie, you're saying you don't like me. Right. And that's such a crime. And that, is, that should not happen because thinking about things and having fun with things or just not liking things is all okay. Right. And you can just be like, yeah, I like, I like this that's, film or I didn't like the film. It I totally agree. Relegate people to different echelons of film. Like to, to watch a movie, not get it and then feel like victimized by people who did get it immediately and then to lash out on imdb doesn't just tell me that this guy might not be looking at it the right way it tells me that a bunch of people are unfairly being arrogant about enjoying Mahola drive right like i we feel like those shut people, up, make it personal love it <laughs> I, I feel like those people have very low self-esteem and they just need they just need to get a hobby really sure hey I, I'm, my whole thing is don't you know don't make the things you like part of you you know right. they can be things that you like and you can certainly you know dive into the fandom and whatnot but to feel so personally attacked when someone is not even necessarily not liking it but just criticizing it in any mm -hmm. way where like there's plenty of stuff that i like that is uh merits mm -hmm. criticism uh the blues brothers is my favorite movie of all time oh is that <laughs> John Landis is this unimpeachable God. Absolutely not. He, he's frankly kind of a scumbag. <laughs> and um, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that I can't still enjoy the movie or that when people mention John Landis uh, being a, a scumbag, that doesn't diminish the movie in my perspective, because I understand that, you know, this is not reflective of me when they're, when they're talking about something that someone else did or, or a problematic aspect of a, right. of a movie or, or whatever, um, you know, it's just, you gotta be willing to let some things go, you know, not everything needs to be so personal. <laughs> right. <laughs> you hear it here, Pete, you heard it here, people. We're on a mission from God. Yeah. Hell yeah we are. <laughs> Actually, what's kind of funny that you brought up the blues brothers um, over here in Kentucky, we have a restaurant, I forget what it's called, but um, I'm not even sure if it's still open or building still there, but they have an actual like statues of the blues brothers in the restaurant. Wow. Wonderful. So <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, just goes to show how much those people love the blues brothers. So, yeah. <laughs> I, so uh, I was going to get to a point 
and you cut me off and now my brain is is fucking struggling to remember what it was um damn you brian damn you michael Um, while you think, I will read a quote from David Lynch. Please do. And he says, I always say my greatest inspiration is the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I would imagine the sounds of factories and factory life and factory people. And it just started a Philadelphia dream and a world that I fell in love with. And I think that's nice. Thank you, David. We love I you do too. do like that. <laughs> my parents are up in Philadelphia right now. I oh, visited yeah. it once. I liked it. I liked great it. city. Took great my dog city. for a walk by a wonderful, beautiful art museum. Oh, hell yeah. got a great cup of coffee from a coffee shop that wasn't Starbucks. And I was like, this wow. is different for me from downtown Tampa. Probably <laughs> Saxby's. Ooh, I wonder. <laughs> I, Nick, you look like you've seen the day. Got Are it. you okay? <laughs> okay, I got, good. Speaking of the, just enough time. Oh, no. Speaking of the dead, you know, it's actually kind of hard for me to watch a certain film because of the times that we're going through right now, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, 28 days later is just it's it's very it's very hard to to sit through because oh nick when i no one gets your joke (laughs) dude this is from 30 episodes ago when whenever whenever i sit down and watch that movie i i grit my teeth because when i go outside i I see people Uh mauling other people they don't yep all right horrible they don't get it they don't get it but the fact that you enjoy this bit that only we understand is the idea of knowledge is power, man. There you go. Now, you, yeah, you now you have it. one up over on me. Yeah, we get it. And that means that makes other people hate us because they think we're being arrogant. Is that fair? No, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> Nick, was that your whole point? Or... <laughs> yeah, it, it took <laughs> me, it took me forever to just like sit there and think. I'm glad we got uh, to it. Yeah, I'm glad I you am got too. To it. Because I would have been Here's... pissed off if I if I went back to edit this episode. I'm just like, I remember what I need to say, but I can't wow. say it anymore because it's done. I hate when that happens. Yeah, that's okay. That just that just means I'll force you guys to come back on here and uh, <laughs> we'll just do. Hey, we'll, just... we'll just have to rewatch the movie and now we'll all come <laughs> to it with a second <laughs> second watch. This is one of the few films where I'm like, we could cover this again next week and have a whole other conversation. Like I've never stay tuned, people. Before. Stay, stay yeah. tuned. Mulholland Drive, part two. Part two. Electric <laughs> Mulholland Deloo. Oh boy, Nick's favorite joke. <laughs> oh my god, I was gonna say, I was gonna yeah, say you that. Were. You say it every episode, god damn bud. It. God damn it, that's amazing. Okay. Um, All right. Well, we have. One more. My, 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 I've got to go to my guy Ebert here. Uh, my villain on my podcast. Oh, you're really. See, he hates. He hates horror movies. I know. It, that, that's kind of been the thing that, that there are little moments where he sympathizes and gets it, and it's my favorite thing Rare. to bring that into the show and be like, "Hey, Rare. you like this one? That's great." <laughs> so here's what he says about Mahalan. This is a heavily abridged version of the review. Okay. I will also preface review. this by saying that he famously hates David Lynch. So. Oh yes. <laughs> Ebert says, you might be surprised here, um, uh, Maholan Drive, it tells a story of, well, there's no way to really finish that sentence. There are two characters named Betty and Rita, who the movie follows through a mysterious plot loop, but by the end of the film, we aren't even sure they're different characters. And Rita, an amnesiac who lifted the name from a Gilda poster, wonders if she's really Diane Selwyn, a name from a waitress's name tag. 
the movie is hypnotic. We're drawn along as if one thing leads to another, but nothing really leads anywhere. And that's even before the characters start to fracture and recombine like flesh caught in a kaleidoscope. Maholan Drive isn't like Memento, where if you watch it closely enough, you can hope to explain the mystery. There is no explanation. There may even be no mystery. This is a movie to surrender yourself to. It requires logic. See, uh, oh, it requires logic to see it. Maholan Drive works directly on the emotion like music. Individual scenes play well by themselves as they do in dreams, but they don't connect in a way that makes sense. Again, like dreams. The way you know the movie is over is that it ends. And then Roger. you tell a friend, I saw the weirdest movie last night. Just like you tell them you had the weirdest dream. Hold, hold for the review. Four out of four stars. What? Yeah, he never does four out of four stars. Wow. He said it doesn't mean anything. I loved it. That's wild. What? <laughs> he also was like, the scenes don't even work cohesively yeah, together. Right. <laughs> that blows my mind. What, I, a, what a twist. Cocaine is one hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> um wow yeah i memento you said memento and i fucking love that movie that movie is yeah. so fucking good do you think that's yeah, worth home is that i haven't i haven't seen it in a long time and i'm pretty sure it, it was during a drug trip or something i don't know alleged <laughs> drug trip um ooh, uh spicy 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 uh drama within the podcast from the black lagoon um Nick go Nicholas Alexander would be worth covering. N Nicholas Alexander Hacks goes on a drug bender and destroys a podcast. Um, oh boy, they go bankrupt. Uh, yeah, right. um, I don't know. Would you consider that horror? No, the, I wouldn't. But I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe for a special occasion, one day, yeah. one day we'll we'll be like, fuck it, we're covering. Memento, because it's a good, yeah. it's a good fucking movie. I think that just, thriller is a subgenre of horror. Yeah, I think there it's are like there the, are universal the bridge, elements of a lot of films. Yeah, that the bridge can, between action and horror is a thriller. No Country for Old Men, another That's, I was one. About to say that too. We really want to cover No Country for Old Men on here. There you go. Because there, uh, there's such a universality to what makes it riveting. That's right. like there's a totally a, a viable argument for Colin Absolutely. Hey, you could you yeah. could stretch pretty much anything. I right. had someone come on my show and tell everyone that uh um Doctor Strange Love is the best horror movie cool. of all time. Nice. So <laughs> we will only do No Country for Old Men if we get a bunch of people clamoring for it. You guys want us to cover No Country for Old Men? At us. Just Sound fucking off. Just come at us and be very persistent. Maybe Let's we will. People, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so I was trying to think. I really have to pee. So what I'm going to do, you two, is Daddy is going to go to the bathroom. Okay. Get another bottle of water. Maybe you want, I was really about to wrap the episode up. Do you want to do that real quick before we? No, I need you to add like a little bit of conversation um for our patreon perfect All so right. the, so for the, the the audio listeners right now um get ben fuck you <laughs> uh pay sign us up for the patreon yeah. 2.99 it's just chump change just throw it throw it in our face just be like it's it's raining uh, uh, Raining and hailing, I guess, mm -hmm. up in this up in this house. Um, 
Get to the Brilliant. bathroom. <laughs> yeah. You're about to explode. <laughs> okay. Naomi Watts. Uh, oh. Yep. Yes. <laughs> New co-host. Do you do you want to? Uh, I, I'm not going to listen to Nick. Do you want to um, go ahead and uh, just plug the life out of everything you have going on so we can uh, find you? Uh, sure. So um, I also have a Patreon, but. Uh, people should first go check out just the show uh the best little horror house in philly um we're on all major podcast platforms and also littlehorrorphl.com if you decide like you don't want to listen to it on a normal podcast app for some reason (laughs) um and uh we have so much fun movies that uh that we talk about on there and if you enjoyed this conversation, why not check out the episode about Lost Highway, which is another David Lynch film that I really, really enjoyed. Um, and uh, so that, I mean, that would be a great place to start. And you can find me on Twitter at Little Horror PHL. I mean, that's really just the username everywhere. So <laughs> find me on everything using that. And, and yeah, so basically circling back to the Patreon, here's the time loop aspect of this episode. <laughs> um if, if you decide that you are loving the show after listening to a few, there are ad free and early access to episodes and also bonus episodes where we do stuff like uh, choose your own adventure books, hmm. um, movie fights uh, style things. And uh, we're going to be doing some, um, some episodes where I get to choose what movie we talk about instead of the guest. So uh, look forward to ponderous Soviet cinema. <laughs> 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 nice <laughs> very cool i love it man uh yeah d- definitely check it out um I'll, I'll see if nick can get a link to your show in the description too that might wonderful. be wonderful cool. but um man it, it has been I, I can't sign off yet because i need to have nick on but sure. um you've got a great show it's really cool thank N- you nick sent it my way when he got in touch with you and, and it was really great there he is all right i mean that's awesome to hear uh, i I just love being able to make a place where people feel comfortable liking the things that they like. And uh, I think that it's really great because even if it's not a movie that you're familiar with, I think that people can still come to them with an open mind because if you, if someone likes the movie enough to pick it as their best horror movie ever made, like there's gotta be something to it. I feel like if you come to any of these movies with an open mind, you'll find something to like. So, you know, even if it's uh, just a list of movies that you maybe want to check out, you could go through uh, the episode list and and start finding some new favorites. I would definitely love love to, I would definitely love to join you for that. If, if you, if you, yeah, we'll get you guys on for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Nick, uh, I I had him go ahead and do his plugs to, to make the best use of the time. So he is plugged and ready. We are going to try to uh, get everybody who comes across the show to listen to his show fellow okay, podcasters okay. here. So Nick, do you have any big closing remarks? Do you feel like you have, um, bent so, all your anxiety from watching this movie? <laughs> so we have off brand Johnny Knoxville again, here we go. <laughs> and we We're have starting at the beginning. <laughs> we have, uh, live action, Twinkie Cowboy. Is this an inventory list of the? What do you? <laughs> I don't know if this is an inventory list. Then yes. Well, you know what? This is why people listen. Thank you. Your <laughs> your boundless creativity is exactly what I need. Thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> we had a great time, George. It has been an absolute blast having you on. Thank oh, you for my pleasure. Um, making this film 
fun for us. So we didn't just have to be scared and, and huddled <laughs> and not know what happened. Um, it's really it my also, pleasure. I had a blast. And it's also my pleasure to pleasure you. Mm. Thanks, See, Nick. You, you, you <laughs> like to make people feel comfortable. I like to make people feel uncomfortable. There we go. Un- There's a duality there. Mm, interesting. Thank you. Uh, Nick, you are great at our Nothing outros. Do you want to run through that? Nothing to say at all. <laughs> hey, who could argue with that? Come on. <laughs> I was just, I was waiting for you to say something. You were just like, not, not <laughs> a lot. Like, not even going to acknowledge it. I respect that. Um, did, did we plug our our stuff? Because no, I'm if, waiting on you, man. You, you do that. Oh, okay all the fucking weight on my shoulders I, I can't even get a time to like relax or anything like that okay so anyways if you enjoyed listening to this episode you can find us on instagram facebook twitter also we have a twitch twitch channel uh all under the black lagoon network and uh hmm if you really enjoyed the episode, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That that would completely help us out 100%, and uh, we would really appreciate it. Other than that, I can't really think of anything else that we need to plug besides my ass. Um, merch. Merch. Oh yes. So for those of you, okay. for. for <laughs> For those of you, uh, thank you for bringing up merch. Um, for those of you who don't know, we have a Patreon. If you want our full, uncut, unedited video version of the episode, you can get that via Patreon for the, just the measly price of two ninety nine. We are cheap whores on this podcast, and anything helps. And we have plans. We have plans for the future for gifts and stuff. So by all means, stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, Thank all of you for listening. We dearly appreciate it. George, absolute blast having you on. Go check out his podcast, please. Thank you. We'll see you in the next episode. All right. (laughs) Nick, you want to stop the recording there? No.